The importance of it, yeah, yeah, we're back to work. I took time off, all the rappers got jerked. Due to the fact they whack in their track, have to go back and stack because they lack the ingredients. What is up? It is your host, Brandon McGrath with the Hella Podcast. I'm here with Matt Tiny Low, the handsome Tiny Low, uh, also co co host and uh, co founder of said podcast. Welcome, sir. What's happening, Mr. McGrath? How are you doing? You're handsome as well. Hey, thanks, man. That's that's pretty sweet. Um, you know, just a minute ago, I think we got into a, a interesting discussion about boobs. Well, you did get into a good discussion <laughs> what, about uh, boobs. I'm a fan of boobs, man. I'm a fan. You know, I'm not exactly what you would call a boob man, um, but I do like a good proportionate boob. I, I'm like uh, if if the girls, you know, between like five, six and six foot tall, like a big B or C cup. I don't like huge tits. I'm not a huge tit fan because I feel like they're a little too floppy. But that may ju- that may just be me. I, I don't know. Um, and I'll, I'm a small nipple guy too, like small areola, small nipple kind of guy. I, you know, I'm with you on the size, the big stuff. You know, you I, I'm a big man, and you know, you kind of get rolling around, and you know, there's a chance of really injuring the person that you're rolling around <laughs> with. And but see, on the opposite side of that, I'm slowly becoming an ass man. I mean, I don't I don't have women knocking down my door, so I'm not super selective. But I am a big nipple guy because in the dark, you know, when you're doing your thing, motorboating. Let me, uh, you know, I got to clarify this. Big nipples or big areolas? You mean like the dark part or the, like this, the big part? That I, you suck I'm talking on? about the nipples. I'm talking about the curb feelers. So when you're in between them, you know where you're at because if you hit it with your <laughs> ear, you know, you know you're about to hit the curb and you don't want to scratch the paint or anything. Uh, so you like you know AK bullet nipples, like big old, like beep, 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 beep. No, not like the end of a guitar chord, dude. You'll poke oh, your eye out. Okay, fair. What enough. are you talking about? I don't know. But, I just wanted to clarify. Come on, Brandon. I'm a, I'm a 399 pound man because, I mean, if, if I'm at 400 pounds, I'm just a fat guy. With 399, <laughs> I can't really say I'm a, I'm a you know, I don't, like that, I said, I'm, that one pound is hope, basically. Oh, dude, it's, it's so much hope, you know, and I, I lose three or four pounds here or there, but I turn around and, Find it. So it's just, uh, I'm happy with whatever I got in front of me, man. I understand the struggle, buddy. I'm, yes. I'm the same way. I'm actually just started. I just started a, a diet yesterday uh, where I'm no longer eating fast food, which is hard for me because, you know, for us, you know the same oh. thing. You're in the same struggle. I am, uh, uh, Valerie went grocery shopped for me. She's a saint. And uh, because I couldn't walk a few days ago because my torn meniscus, fans, you all know about that. Uh, if you don't, I tore my meniscus about three or four months ago, and I've had nothing but complications from it. Um, so my health has been impacted by it. Uh, but coming out of that, even just two days now, I'm, I'm on this diet two days. I'm already feeling way better. Today I could walk. Like I went to my clients' houses. I could walk. It's amazing how just eating better a makes you feel better. B allows you to be more productive, and C it improves your health even in just forty eight hours. Forty eight oh, hours, yeah. less than forty eight hours, I feel way better. So, but but it's one of those things where I'm thirty four years old now. I'm going to be thirty five this year, and it's it's starting to actually affect my health to where it's like very detrimental. So I have to really pay attention to it. So that's the one thing that sucks about being a fat guy. Uh, but what's cool about it is just being funny and handsome. Because if you're fat and handsome, it's like it's almost like a I don't know. It's like a red giant star, you know. It's like this beautiful thing, but it's so big. Well, you know, you got to work a little harder to sell it, but I think that'll make a relationship stronger. What's that? Just, you know, some guys, some women, just go on their looks, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, you never know what you're <laughs> gonna find. You know, you could be like, oh hey, you know, baggy pants and a sweater. You don't know. 
That six could be a ten. That's true. Just doesn't like to represent herself that way. That's very true. Which I kind of like. Oh, yeah. 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 It's just a little surprise for you. It's like, oh, shit. I didn't know this was here. Damn, bitch, you fine. It's like, (laughs) damn, lock the door. But, uh, you know, I hear you on the the eating ride. I drive truck for a living, and uh, I sit all day. And I get out of my truck. I try and walk around more. And I'm I'm working on eating right. I've, I've recently started exercising again, but it's been hard because I'm in a winter season and uh, my days are a lot longer. It's hard for me to get to the gym, but that's just an excuse. And uh, like one of my coaches say, uh, you need to get rid of the excuses and just get your ass in there because that's the hardest part. But, you know, you hear a lot of things it where it's, it's, 10% exercise and 90% diet. Absolutely. I have the exercise part down when I'm able to get there. Sure. And uh, and sure, a lot of times I just want to sit on my ass and watch DVDs at home that I've seen a million times before. But I know how good I feel when I go work out or when I eat right. I mean, even if, I mean, you like you just said, if I don't eat crap for one day, I feel better the next day. I have more yep. energy. It's Absolutely. easier for me to get out of bed. I mean, it's, uh, there's so much to it. And, and I really kick myself in the ass every day, seriously kick myself every day where I'm like, Matt, you know how good you feel when you eat right, when you're not drinking soda, when you're not putting crap in your body. And I, I cut out sugar about five years ago because from a bad diet, I gave myself diabetes Yeah. and diabetes is no joke, man. I mean, I I'll, I'll go and I'll cheat every once in a while and you know, grab some Kit Kats because that's my jam. And man, my vision gets blurry. I can't think right. Damn. Uh, it's gnarly. And I mean, this is coming from a guy 10 years ago. Embarrassingly enough, I could house a whole pack of Oreos and feel fine. Yeah. But that's why I have diabetes now. <clears throat> and it's like, it's, it's, uh, it's hard, man. It's, yeah. it's hard knowing you can do better. <coughs> and there's just something Sorry. in, in <clears throat> yours or my head where it's just like, oh, fuck it. But then I'm driving down the road, heading to work, and I get a chest pain. It could be a pulled muscle from getting kicked in the could shoulder. Could be acid and, reflux, yeah. could be heartburn, but, it could be your heart. I'm not thinking off. that. I'm thinking, oh shit, I'm going to have a heart attack. I want to get rid of that, man. <laughs> I want to, when I have a sore or a pain or something, I know what it is. Not a guessing work. I mean, man, I've been to the, I've, uh, on a more personal note, I've been to the emergency room twice in the last 10 years thinking I was a heart attack. It was a heart attack and they were panic attacks. Shit. And I ended up paying $3,500 to $6,800 for them to look at me and go, oh no, you're fine. You're just very anxious. You have, you know, you're, you're in your own head, which you being a brother to me for almost 20 years know that I'm, I'm one of those guys that's in my own head all the time. And, uh, that sucks, man, that I, that I, I'm not going to say I was, cause I still am in bad shape, uh, with my diet and, uh, I'm getting better on my health, man. I could walk up a set of stairs and not feel like I'm going to pass out. I mean, that's embarrassing, dude. When, you know, I go like to the GSR, that big stairway we always walk up to and we're going to an event there, go see the fights or whatnot. And I'm, I would get so winded that I would have to stop, put my hands above my head where... I do that now after a Tabata round when I go to my, uh, my fitness, my, uh, kickboxing classes at Reno city kickboxing. Yeah. And, uh, it's getting better, but on going back, backtracking to where we started earlier is, is it's funny how recently I haven't, I, lately I haven't been able to get into the gym as much as I like to. 
Sure. I You're busy a, with work. Life take, gets in the way. I take a week off, man, and it's like I'm starting over again. And, it, and it's it's so frustrating. And that's another one of those kick yourself in the ass moments. Like, man, you just threw that all away. Like when I when I didn't drink soda for a year. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to have one. Bullshit. Well, now I'm I'm getting better about it. My coaches are trying to get me to, you know, drink at least two gallons of water a day. Because like I said, I'm a giant dude. Yeah. And, and, well, and, and A, hydration is a huge part, especially if you're actually training. And it's huge for weight loss. Yeah. It's proven that people who drink, and I don't know what the proportion is supposed to be. Uh, I, I think it's something like, you know, half an ounce for every pound of body weight, something like that. Um it, it allows for a speed up your metabolism. Um, it allows for you know obviously better and faster healing. Just pure hydration is really good for you uh, in any in any platform, especially if you're training and whatnot. Especially for somebody like you or me who's recently lost quite a bit of weight and is trying to a keep it off and b be an athlete. So that's huge, man. I don't know how we went from boobs to this, but that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a full spectrum of a of entertainment on the Hella Podcast. That's why it's called the Hella Podcast because we talk about hella topics, hella stuff, and we're hella awesome and hella handsome. I don't mean handsome. That's we are definitely handsome. Pharaoh's handsome too. Pharaoh's handsome. The Hella Podcast Pitbull. The Hella Podcast uh, mascot Pharaoh. Uh, I think he's going to be the mascot man because look at his face. Yeah, he's literally the cutest he's dog ever. Handsome. And he's uh, such a lover. And another thing, too, and it's so many small things like just drinking water, you feel better. I recently passed a kidney stone for the first time. Yeah. And, dude, that is the male equivalent of giving birth. Yeah, Obviously, dude. I've never given birth, but, dude, it felt like I peed out a watermelon with a mohawk. Oh, It God. was, and, man, I freaking dropped to the floor. I was actually meeting, I was meeting Cliff at a local bar. We're going to have a beer and a burger. And he wasn't there yet. And I walked in the bathroom and I knew that I'd had a stone. And uh, I was peeing and that sucker came out, man. I went down like a sack of potatoes in a public restroom, laying Jesus. on the floor, holding on to my, my stuff. <coughs> and then the other bright side of that is on my doctor's request, I had to reach into the urinal and grab said kidney stone to take into him and have it tested, which... Uh, you haven't lived until you've digged into a public urinal for a tiny rock. That's awesome. Yeah. And gross. I washed my hands a lot. <laughs> Numerous times. I didn't even order a meal that I handled with my hands. Dude, did you save it? Did you save it like you're like an aborted fetus or no, something? No, the doctor got it, man, because they had to test it. Well. And you saw the picture of it. Oh, that's right. You when they had the straight out of Compton thing and I did the straight out of my kidneys. Yeah. And had the picture of my kidney stone. <laughs> what's up, kidney stone? Yeah, what's up, kidney stone? <laughs> Bob oh, kidney man. stone. <laughs> Isn't isn't health fun? Isn't be, being human such a fun thing? I think it when is. it's going right, yeah. No shit, yeah. That's and that's really what's about this year, man. Is a improving ourselves, uh, b being better versions of ourselves to those around us. Um, you know, this year my focus, and I don't want to be cliche about this, but it's so true, and it's so going to be, and it already is, and it's making me feel better. It's making my relationships better. Is just. PMA is just PMA and RMA, which is positive mental attitude and the right mental attitude, making sure that if I do get in a zone where I'm being negative, that I check myself, that I kind of go introverted and I kind of um, look inside and say, hey, listen, you need to chill out, make sure that you're worried about more than just yourself in the situation you're in and uh, make sure that you're not the only person being happy with the situation, you know? Yeah, lots of introspection. Yeah, for sure. In the words of one of my heroes, Henry Rollins. Yeah. Um, 
And, and it's amazing how much, when I'm taking care of myself, how much more I take care of my friends. Yeah. It's, I'm not so introverted. I'm more extroverted. And, yeah. And I'm uh, more out there, you know. And uh, this year, uh, uh, the holidays were a rough time for me. And uh, luckily, I have friends like you and Cliff and my uh, teammates at the gym and my family that helped pull me out of it. And uh, even at New Year's, um, you called me and said, hey, man, you know, my homie's in town, who John Toll, who's an uh, outstanding stand-up comedian, old friend of yours from the music scene. And uh, I ended up calling you and saying, hey, man, I'm not going to make it out tonight because I just wanted to go sit on my ass, feel sorry for myself, and watch TV. And you're like, man, don't flake on me. And flake is a buzzword for me. I hate flakes. And, uh, well, I shouldn't say I hate flakes. I flake. But it's... uh, (coughs) I'll say it. I fucking hate flakes. I cannot stand... Because it's so easy to just... and, And this can version into a whole another topic about passive aggressiveness and how society is just absolutely bitch made these days but what in the fuck is so hard about if you don't want to do something stating hey i don't want to do this i apologize i'm just gonna stay home tonight or whatever else i can't stand and it really is annoying when my my close friends do it and i have a lot of close friends that do do it and they do it like they do it like it's just it's a natural knee-jerk reaction now and that's how bad it's gotten like and they're I, used to it like they're used to it yeah exactly it's like you invite somebody to do something or if you've planned something a few weeks before and you're like hey ready to go do this and you either a don't get a text from them which is that's bullshit because how hard is it to write a text back Absolutely. and and you know everybody's glued to their fucking phones Everybody, unless you're one of those people, like I have a couple friends out of the many that I have that don't have a cell phone or or are never on their cell phone, but that is rare. So out of everybody else that's on their goddamn cell phone all the time, you know they saw the fucking message. And so that's ridiculous. It's like just if if you don't want to go or if we had a plan, say, hey, I'm sorry, something came up, let's reschedule. That's it. That's all you have to do. But I did that, and this goes to our friendship and why having good friends matters is you knew – the mental state I was in. No, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wasn't no, challenging no, 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 you. No, 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 no. I know you weren't challenging me, but I want to bring up the point that it's, uh, and this is going in so many different directions, but you knew what I needed. So you talked me into coming down to Reno Tahoe comedy at the Pioneer Underground because our buddy, uh, a friend of yours, John Toll, John Lockjaw, was in town, who's a amazing stand-up comic and just a great eight dude. Just super cool. And, uh, Went down there to see him, and he just had some quick spots that night, and uh, met John. We hung out with John, went and had dinner, and uh, at one of my favorite places, one of your favorite places as well. Indeed, and, the gold uh, and silver. You guys made fun of me getting food stuck in my beard. Oh fuck, that was so and, funny. Uh, John referred to it as uh, a sea lion. For those of you that are listening, what happened was uh, me and John are sitting across the table from uh, from Tiny from Matt. And he's enjoying his salad. They they both had salads. I did not. I did not partake in the saladness. Uh, and as they're eating their salads, I look over at John randomly because I see he's like focusing on something. And he looks across. He's looking across at Matt. And so I look across at him and there's a big piece of lettuce just sitting in his beard. And it's not like caught in his beard. It's like literally just like hanging in his beard like it was an ocean. And it was like a little seahorse swimming through the ocean. And, and so I look over at John 
And then I look back at him, and John says something, makes a joke, of course, about the ocean or something like that. And then, and then I say something like, you know, to the effect of, uh, we shouldn't be hanging around here too long. We start making jokes about it to try and be like subtle and try and be funny about it. But then John leans in with his squinty face and he's high as shit. And he's just like, can't baked. stop it. Totally baked. So baked. And he totally gives up the ghost and like lets him kind of, he goes, oh shit and looks and finds it and. And it was just the funniest day. We literally were laughing like idiots. And there's like tons of people around because it was New Year's. So, you know, everybody was out that night. And uh, it was uh, a was whole hilarious. restaurant full of hipsters and us. Yeah, it was. It was pretty damn funny. <laughs> but, you know, that says something that uh, in, in, my, in my mind, I already have an inside joke with John and I'd known him for six hours. Yeah, totally. And then absolutely. And then the next night, I don't know, did I meet Steve that night or did we meet Steve I met Steve the next night. You had lunch with him. Yes. And uh, I met Steve, this gentleman uh, by the name of Steve Simone. No, you did meet him the first night because you remember you came late and you watched the end of a set and then we hung out afterwards, but he didn't go to dinner with us. Yeah. Yeah. He was just taken off. (coughs) And then the next night we ended up talking and hanging out and making Steve. But anyway, Steve is a a comedian from LA who's uh, from Philly and just, just one of the sweetest guys I've ever met. Just super cool, super chill. Really nice. And uh, he ended up, uh, him and John uh, ended up basically talking you and I into trying our hand at comedy at the Reno Tahoe Comedy Club. And uh, Wayne signed us up and we did a show the next weekend and I was really hesitant and you just looked at me and you said, Matt, just fucking do it. Just do it, dude. You know, you You're want making to. these guys laugh. Yeah. You're good, man. Just yeah. do it. And... Uh, well, that's the thing. Naturally, if you're naturally funny in a normal environment, it's the only difference between that and making people laugh doing comedy is getting the nerves out and not being nervous yeah. because it's the same thing. Which... You're just with a bigger group and, and more people to pick on or fuck with. You know? And uh, a little update. I had my set last Saturday and oh man, were the nerves there because <laughs> I, I went in there with a, a false sense of confidence because in my, in my early twenties, uh, through late twenties, I, I tried a little bit playing hardcore music and I was a bass player and I was like, Oh, I've been in front of crowds before. Totally different, dude. Totally. So absolutely. different. I mean, there was a part in my set where my hand was shaking so bad that I actually said to the crowd, my hand's shaking so bad right now. I'm just going to stick it in my pocket. <laughs> and people got a laugh out of it and everything else. But, uh, I'm happy I did it, man. And, uh, it, uh, I tell you what, 2016 so far has been pretty badass. Yeah. We're only 12 days into it, but man, if I can keep this ball rolling, I'm going to be one happy time. Oh, there's there's no can about it. There's no can about it. You will. You absolutely will. That's just it. That's why why I was talking about the PMA and the RMA. You have to keep that right mental attitude. There's no, there's no if it's when, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast. One of the reasons why, um, you know, we did the comedy thing, um, I've been talking about doing this stuff for years. I've been talking about doing this podcast. I, I think probably the first time I mentioned it was easily probably 2009 uh, with a buddy of mine when I was I was working at this law office. Uh, his name is Raphael, and he's from Brazil, but he moved here and he has a law degree and stuff, and he's a lawyer now. I think he works um, as like an under legal person at one of the big law firms here now. Um, but we he used to work for a law firm that I worked for, and. 
we talk every day about politics and stuff. And he's like, man, you should really start a podcast. I've been talking about starting a podcast for years and just never always talked about it and never did it. And so for me, 2016 is all about fuck talking about it. I'm going to do it. If there's something I want to do, whether it's lose weight, start a podcast, um, fucking be a better boyfriend, uh, you know, travel more, any of that stuff, I'm going to do it. I will find a way and I will do it, period. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you and I have been talking about doing a podcast together for four years. Oh, yeah. You, Cliff, and I have been talking about it for four years. Forever, yeah. Since the Sunnyside House, I think. And, you know, and and this is going to be cliche number one of today's podcast, but the only person that's getting in the way is you. Yeah. You just got to freaking kick in the door and do your thing. Yep. Just do it. Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4. Yeah. All you heard was, Papa, don't hit me no more. Kick in the door, wave it. Oh, my God, I love that. Love that song. Absolutely, man. 2016 is going to be a great year. Well, that's, I mean, great start, great start. Let's uh, let's move on to another topic. How do you feel about the legalization of that marijuana? I'm all for it, dude. Sticky, icky, icky. Um, Oh, wait. I'm going to be all over the place. Uh, I've uh, never lived a clean and sober lifestyle like you have, uh, like you do, uh, being straight edge and all. Uh, But I've never smoked weed. Um, I've never, ever, ever smoked pot. And a lot of that was because my dad was in law enforcement, retired. My brother's in law enforcement now. Mm -hmm. And I never really, I've always been a fat kid and I always believed that it's going to give me the munchies. I'm going to be 700 pounds and this and that. (laughs) But but my angle on legalizing marijuana, other than what it's done for Colorado, what it's done for Washington state is two, is, is, is many things. One, I've never seen anybody kill one of my good friends in high school being high on weed. I lost four friends in my teenage years to alcohol. Um, I think that, uh, awful. I mean, I'm not going to say luckily, I mean, they were, they were my friends Yeah. and my brother lost a lot of friends to drunk driving. Um, and I mean, I'm all about pot. I'm if, if I didn't have the career that I did, that I do, I, I pro I would. Yeah. Because I think I've looked, I've done a lot of research on, uh, the medical side of marijuana, how it helps people with anxiety, which I've already talked about. It's, uh, it's just, man, Dude, they're using, so they're much... using hemp oil right now to cure cancer. Yeah. A lot of various forms of cancer are being cured with hemp oil. Uh, aren't they helping kids with autism? Yep. Kids with Things autism. Like that with... It has tons of medicinal look at, uses. Look, and dude, I, I'm a, I'm a big listener to the Joe Rogan podcast and he opened my mind up to a lot of stuff. Yeah. I don't really get into the, the, uh, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Um, but he smokes a lot of weed and he yeah. talks about the, 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 the pluses of it and what it does for him and whatnot. And in the United States, they've proven, well, in, in the world, they've proven that hemp is better than like any other material, sure. paper, clothes, whatnot. Can't even grow hemp yep. in the States. Even these guys have to buy a lot of their hemp from Canada. And they can sell it here. Why the hell can't we grow it here? Well, you know what's funny about that? And the science behind that is so stupid because hemp is actually grown from the male version of the plant, the non-budding version of the plant. 
you can't you smoke the buds off the tree. That's what they use for medicine and everything yeah. else. But the male version of the plant is the one that's actually more sinuous than the one that they use for for paper products, for oils, for most of that stuff. I mean, they use both, but apparently the male plant is the better plant to use, um, which is ridiculous. That's just that means it's just another weed. Why can't you just grow it everywhere and then cultivate it and use it for for all sorts of stuff? And and yeah, it's, you know, it's it's a really very polarizing topic. There's a lot of people who are like, "Oh no, anti marijuana, blah blah blah." I honestly think, from a from a uh, you know, if you go small world view of marijuana uh, on a personal level, yes, medicinal uses, even even personal use, if it helps you with you know things like you know minor anxiety and stuff like that, headaches, um, headaches, all yeah, that stuff, um, and and then you get a little bit bigger and things like being able to sell them in a you know like a city or a national market, whether it be for your state to help with taxation or whatever else I mean it's huge not only that but you're going to cut down on the drug cartels they being able to traffic their drugs over here and sell them because they're not going to need to because people can get it for for, yeah. for maybe a little bit more expensive but it's legal now yeah. they can go to the dispensary and pay I don't know what the price is maybe it's 300 bucks an ounce or whatever I, I don't know but rather than you know 280 or 250 an ounce or however much it is uh and get a better product probably that's legal that's totally legal so why yeah. deal with with the bullshit shady drug dealers and all the bullshit when you have yeah. a legal space to go get it um and that, that c- kind of in a dichotomous nature shows how it would be you know from one drug being legalized to what if you legalize multiple drugs kind of the the benefits could also wane from uh you know from having other drugs be legal because basically uh you would see an influx of people who a wouldn't have to shadily acquire said drugs uh b they could be better about using them uh be cleaner about using them less disease less you know public destruction because of said drugs uh and you know all the other stuff and the money flowing in could help taxation and a bunch of other stuff so there's so many things to talk about my my big view of it is this if it grows, legalize it. Yeah, agreed. It's here for a reason. Agreed. Um, and I've I've done a lot of listening on 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 podcasts. I've actually read about stuff like uh, ibogaine. I believe it's ibogaine. Don't you know? Hopefully, I wish we could fact check it. But I'll ibogaine. Look, I'll look it up right now. Ibogaine. They've been using it to cure heroin addicts. Where these guys go in do these ibogaine treatments in other countries because it's illegal in the United States, of course. And these guys are getting cured with counseling after using this ibogaine. And I believe it's ibogaine. And, uh, I mean, come on. Uh, give me a break. Just, the cartels can have the heroin. The cartels can have the methamphetamines. They can have all this stuff. But it's just, I've seen alcohol do way worse things than I've ever seen pot do. Uh, alcohol has made me forget a day. Marijuana, although I don't smoke it, has gotten me lots of free meals because I'm always, <laughs> I'm always the sober guy that gets to, gets to go get tacos for my friends, and I end up with a fifteen bucks, and I can go hog wild. Thanks for helping me with my weight loss, buddies. <laughs> but, but on a on a on another side of the note, on another side of it is, I've seen what marijuana has done for people that are very close to me. Um, how it's changed. They're not angry anymore. They're way more chill. They don't have the stresses that they do. And how can that not be uh, an attractive thing for you to want to try it? And it's just, uh, there's so many, there's so many doctors out there that some doctors, they, 
well, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll prescribe it to you, but the, I guess the, the rule is you ask for it. Or you ask about, yeah. hey, would marijuana work for what I'm dealing with? A lot of doctors, and doctors work are like getting that. more to where they're like realizing that this is having really good results for people, and they're prescribing it. And if you make it more available, I mean, awesome. It's just yeah, they just legalize it. They, it should be legal. Legalize. Like you said, if it grows, it should be legal. Period. And, and that's what I think. Back to your your Ibogaine statement. This stuff is really interesting. Just reading this, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it for our listeners um, because it's actually really kind of cool. And 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 it shows that there's a lot of interesting natural medicines out there that can help people. That can alleviate different things from drug addictions to, to sicknesses to yeah, all this stuff. So Ibogaine is an isolated active alkaloid. Uh, from the root bark of the Central West African shrub, Tabernath Iboga. It has been used for thousands of years for spiritual development and as a rite of passage into adulthood. Its properties as a treatment to stop opiate withdrawal were unknown until the late 1960s. Since that time, studies undertaken by leading research and academic facilities have shown that Ibogaine is an effective addiction interrupter for most substances, including heroin, methadone, methamphetamine, cocaine, alcohol, and nicotine. All the gnarly Dude, shit. Dude, that's huge. Yeah. And the, and wow. the states won't allow it. But they're doing these... Uh, that's bullshit. Why oh, would they dude, allow it? They, these people have retreats and go and do... And it's not so much uh, on the Ibogaine because that's more of a medical thing. Where they're, they're, like it says, they're using it to cure people. Let me make a point real quick on that. The reason why stuff like this, which is a natural treatment, which is probably kicking ass over all of the pharmaceutical drugs out there, is not legal. Money. The pharmaceutical companies, the lobbyists. Again, the root of the problem in this country, fucking lobbyists. And money in politics. It's so bad. The, The pharmaceutical industry runs Congress. Period. Oh, yeah. Any piece, any piece Absolutely. of legislation that that has anything to do, even a, even like the most minor anthropological or or, or 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 weird kind of part of of a spec that might end up d- dealing with their end of the world, they have money in. They're just constantly, basically butchering uh, the government by. Buying well, it's not really. I mean, it's not really representative democracy anymore. It's an oligarchy, so they're basically doing what they're supposed to be doing because money is allowed in politics. And until we get the money out of politics, nothing's going to change. So anyhow, very cool. Um, you know, I, I I just stuff like this incenses me because there's so many natural remedies for things out there. There's so many natural things that are here in this world that we could be using. <laughs> and homeopathic medicine. Look at how many people have had amazing results with homeopathic medicine. Yeah, absolutely. Now, kinesiology stuff, in my opinion, is bullshit. Yeah. But <laughs> I haven't really looked into kinesiology. I know it's supposed to be like the study of the muscles and their relationship. Put this to the bones jar of pine or... nuts to your chest, and if I can't push your arm down, it's going to work for you. Yeah. Fuck you and your voodoo. <laughs> Go fly a kite. Kinesiology but is voodoo, according it, to Matt Lowe. It's, it's voodoo, dude. That voodoo, baby. I'd rather have a chubby little doll. <laughs> but uh, it's it's uh, and I I really think with how you know the age, the generation that's coming into adulthood, I'm in my lifetime we're gonna see a, a across the board spectrum legalizing of marijuana. I hope so. I hope you're right. I hope that the trend that we're seeing is a legalization of it. Um, and, and, you know, straight edge views are not the common sense behind it is amazing. Um, 
you know, we play, I play poker every week or, or did with this guy, Jerry, who was a local um, head of the DEA here in Reno, Nevada. And then he just moved actually, and he keeps coming back and forth. But I had a conversation with him about the legalization of marijuana. And of course he's against it because the DEA has their hands in the drug world. It's just like the CIA does, but the CIA is way more nefarious and they're actually involved with the cartels and stuff. Um, but if it wasn't for drugs and trafficking and the movement of drugs and the sale of drugs illegally, the DEA would have no job. So of course they have to say they don't want it. You know, of course they have to say it's detrimental to society. That's fine. Say that all you want, but I have yet to see somebody killed from from a marijuana overdose or marijuana intoxication being behind the wheel or something like that. B, I have yet to see it be detrimental to to a city or a state or wherever it has been legalized. And as a matter of fact, it's only helped in the form of revenue, in the form of infrastructure, in the form of actually pumping money back into the society around the people that they're in. I have a lot of friends that are in law enforcement. Nine out of 10 of my buddies are like legalize this shit. So we have to quit fucking around with it. Yeah. And I am dude. I'm all for it, man. Yeah, I'm all for it. One of the biggest reasons why our incarceration rate is so high is because of marijuana. There are so many people marijuana, in prison. Marijuana, dude. There's dudes doing 10 to 15 years for pot. Yeah, for fucking weed. For pot, dude. <laughs> Such bullshit. Really? Yeah. The prison, the prison industrial complex is a real fucking thing, dude. Oh, it boy. is a business in this country, and it is fucking there's sad. There's private prisons, dude. Yeah. That's private gnarly. prisons. And there's a private sector is because you can make money at it. It's that that is good. fucking lame. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me, man. Hella I, lame. I don't. What's and not only is it hella lame, obviously, but why do they get away with this shit? And and I, the only excuse that I can think of is that a we live in a capitalistic society where if there is something for profit, it's always seen as something that's good, even if it's hurting the environment or fucking people over or whatever else. As long as it's making money, you know. Look at the fucking bailout. Banks receive billions of dollars and then they gave their CEOs fucking uh, bonuses and went on lavish trips and shit. Basically saying, uh, fuck you, America. Shit makes my stomach turn. I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brandon, but it makes my stomach turn. I mean, I'm not, I don't, <laughs> I choose not to follow politics too much, call me ignorant or whatnot, but it just pisses me off so much when I find out what the hell's going on. Yeah. And and listening to podcasts and stuff. And with my job, I have the time to do that. Yeah. And I've, it's amazing how much more in touch with what the hell's going on. I've gotten in, in the last few years through radio lab and vice, which I know you love. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I listen to some of this stuff and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. There's brilliant dudes out there that believe that <coughs> mushrooms are the reason we evolved. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, there, there's a guy, I, and and I, man, I need to fact check my stuff. I didn't know we were going to get into it like this. Oh, it's okay. But I believe his name is Dennis McKenna, and Joe Rogan talks about this guy a lot. Sure. And his basic theory is when the monkeys came out of the trees, when it came in, when it became a flatland, is the monkeys used to flip over piles of poo, looking for worms and insects and stuff. Well, they found these mushrooms, and they ate. And this is his theory. There's a book I, I believe it's. I believe the book is called Food of the Gods. And the monkeys would eat the mushrooms and it, their brains evolved. And that's how we became what we are. That is an interesting that, philosophy. And, and dude, it makes you think where I, if, the first I heard that. Psilocybin like, transcendence. Psilocybin, psilocybin mushrooms. I always fuck that word up. Yeah, yeah. I can't spell it, but I can say it. And, <laughs> but it makes you think. You're like, wait a minute. That could actually happen. Sure. Because, absolutely. I mean, alcohol, I don't drink that much anymore. 
But I know that when I have a few more beers in me, I let my guard down. Sure. I'm funnier. I'm happier. But I've never been a guy that's been like, man, I could really use a beer. Except for last weekend after my comedy set. I was like, man, Wayne, give me like four beers. I need a beer. Right now. I need a beer. That's the first time in my life I've ever said I needed a beer. And, uh, but no, to, to, uh, I don't know if we're going to end on that, this discussion right here, but yeah, man, legalize it. I feel, uh, any of my bosses hear this podcast, I feel I got some drug tests coming on, but, uh, (laughs) what's cool, what's cool about that is that, is that yes, if it's legal, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to run out and do it. Hmm. Matter of fact, it's usually the opposite effect because when something's harder to, uh, to attain that's usually uh, adds to the allure of the substance yeah, or yeah. whatever else it is so if you take that away make it readily available the coolness of it or whatever is going to go away and then people who really need it are going to use it or people who really want it are going to use it and everybody else will just continue to go about their lives it's not going to be this giant freaking and that's the thing is i hate the kind of like the the borderline nihilistic view that every human is a piece of shit and that their base instincts is to go and do every drug and, and be a piece of shit and rob stores and loot and all this stuff and like and that there's no trust. I hate when when people live from fear. And I see a lot of people doing that these days. Yeah. And they make judgment calls based on it and they 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 govern based on it. There's that's happening really badly right now. Uh it's causing racism rampantly uh, especially uh, amongst the GOP and a, a lot of different party lines that that have no business being that way and weren't in the past now are all of a sudden xenophobic and racist and crazy and just very fearful about where the world is going and every you know there's a new boogeyman around every fucking corner and I hate that shit because half of the boogeyman that they talk about are ones that, that the U.S. has created over yeah, fucking around. they're all around. fabricated. Absolutely. And B, if you live optimistically and stay away from that shit, you understand that you're going to rise above it eventually. But they don't. They absolutely don't, and they want to control, and, and they understand that fear is control, and I think that's why they, they, people live like that. They either want to be controlled and want to be fearful, or they know it does control, so they push fear onto people. And that's just sad. And I don't want to live like that, and I absolutely won't, and I hope none of my friends do either. Yeah. And that's one of the great things, coming back to the point you made earlier, about listening to podcasts and, and watching Vice News and, and listening to it or even reading their content on their website, stuff like that. There's so many different avenues where you can get great fact check good news sources that allow you to become more educated about the government or the world around you or the things that's going on and yet people want to live from a point of ignorance and from a point of fear and they would rather watch it on some awful news network that doesn't really report on it properly that doesn't understand the caveats of the story that make it better and uh, or that actually make the story relevant and instead they listen to one person wax completely ignorant on it on it and uh, and then they take that opinion as their own and then just, you know, throw out these bullshit talking points that don't make any sense. And I hate that. I absolutely hate it. Yeah, but we are way too informed to be this stupid. Absolutely. And Agreed. It's uh, like like the whole opium trade. I believe it's opium in Afghanistan. Dude, that's like 80% of their economy. Oh, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I mean, you got to think there's so many things that opiates are used for from, um, well, I mean, it used to be used for laudanum and stuff like that. But now there's several prescription drugs that are huge and that are on the market that they they probably are. Yeah, they're absolutely making a killing over in that country by selling opium. 
That's where I learned about Laudanum was on Tombstone, one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. That's a great yeah, movie. Dude, it's such a good movie. Skin that smoke wagon. Skin that, see what happens. Skin that smoke wagon. Throw it down, boy. Doc Holiday, dude. So good. Such that movie freaking rules, man. Tombstone was a great Have movie. Have you seen Bone Tomahawk yet? I've not. I need to watch it. I'm so sorry. Brutal. I do need to watch that. Hateful I, Eight. Oh, I watched the, the, both I'm of those movies. I'm still mad you saw that without me. <laughs> By the way, I need to go see that. I should go see that so tonight. Oh, good. So brutal. Oh man, Quentin uh, man. Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino's dude. Pulp Fiction still like 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 if I have a security answer for my thing and it's what's your favorite movie? Pulp Fiction, duh, because it's still one of my Mine's favorite Space movies. Balls. Space Balls is great, <laughs> of course. Dude, we Any just blew it. Anybody that gets into our shit, knows I know, they know answers. all of our answers now. Space <laughs> we cannot Pulp give Fiction. out our mother's maiden names. Mel Brooks and Quentin Tino, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. Great, great, uh, great cinema from both of them. Yeah, so legalizing drugs, absolutely on board. Now, You're legalizing the right drugs, Brandon. Absolutely. No, and, well, maybe not though. I mean, think about even heroin. Legalized heroin. There, heroin is a huge drug trade. Huge drug trade. Cocaine, same thing. And it grows, so that. Kind and of it grows yeah. exactly. Cocaine, cocaine grows. grows also. Damn, I kind of bit myself in the ass. No, no, it's okay. But but that's the thing is that a Cocaine's they all a come from drug. a plant it really is they all come from a plant it's all grown it has to be processed to be made sure that's fine the thing is is that again the people who want to do that will do it no matter what and it's going to make it more alluring if it's harder to get oh my god i have this great heroin or i have this great coke just legalize that shit let the people who want to do it and be fucking high all the time excuse me let them do it because sort themselves out it will. It absolutely will. The thing is, is that human nature will kick in and the weak will sort themselves out. They will go do those drugs because they have to and shit will happen. And then everybody else that, you know, maybe somebody does want to do it recreationally, does it once and then never does it again. Congratulations. But the thing is, is that because it's illegal, is it causes so many problems from imprisonment, from, from pricing, from death, from drug cartels, from all these little things that you could totally solve by just legalizing it. If it's legal, it kills all those avenues that are ruining society. So why not do it? But anyway, we've on that, been on that topic enough. So let's move to uh, something that happened recently in the news, which is correlative. Uh, Mr. El Chapo Guzman oh, got caught by, by the Mexican police, which Bad is kind of weird. Which is kind of weird to me because I always thought the Mexican police were in his pocket. So this seems strange It's just to what me. he wanted, dude. He's going to jump. He's going to get out again. Guaranteed, Brandon. I mean, <laughs> he dug a hole. He, his his cartel dug a beautiful hole with like a rail car <laughs> rail underneath car. it. Lights, yeah, food. They're not fucking everything around. down there, dude. You know the guards were in on that shit. Had to be, dude. He greased their pockets. That's the thing. Oh. Is in that, duh. Take for instance. Okay, you're a, a guard in a Mexican prison. You're making whatever two thousand pesos a week, which is probably like three hundred dollars, which is nothing, right? I don't even know what the exchange rate is, um, but you're probably U.S. equivalent. You're probably making two to three hundred bucks a week as a guard in a Mexican prison. All El Chapo has to do is say, "What do you make in a year?" Oh, I make uh, you know in U.S. dollars, I make seventeen thousand a year or whatever it is. All right, I'll triple that if you let, you know help me escape. Who would say no? But if you fuck up, I'll chop your head off with the rest. Night. Exactly. And so, A, you can't say no. And who would say no? Nobody. So I guess the answer is only yes to that. So the dude's going to always be out. Not only that, but honestly, I think the CIA has always been involved with Chapo. Um, and just just like they were involved uh, with um, Medellin and, and, uh, and Pablo Escobar. So, uh, you know, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a... Uh, 
It's a crazy world we live in. Let's but... see ISIS go into Mexico and start fucking with the cartel and see what happens. <laughs> Shit, that'll never happen. It's not the <laughs> Middle East. I think I, I think ISIS and especially ISIS because is in the states. <laughs> ISIS is not in the states. Uh, ISIS is what <laughs> you fucker. ISIS is completely and totally a creation of the vacuum that was created. Uh, from going into several nations, starting wars, killing innocent people, and then leaving and allowing despotic regimes and these terrible people to take over the lands, causing more drama, more hatred, more death, more destruction. Uh, And at some point, they're going to conglomerate and create something that goes through the land and kills everybody and tries to take over everything and make it better for the people. Well, how... And, I mean... How is ISIS not in the States? And I'm not arguing with you, but I heard something on the news the other day where uh, I don't I don't think it was the shooter that shot that police officer and he ended up surviving a returning fire. But uh, a guy went to attack a guy with a knife, another person with a knife, and was holding a picture of the ISIS flag in his hand. Sure. So it is in the States. It's not ISIS in the States. It's people sympathizing and doing things in the name of ISIS. Sure. So to me, that means it's here. But, I mean, you can take your levels of crazy as much as you want from, yeah. from all you have to do and the I fault. I cheeseburger. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The yeah. fault is the media. Absolutely. The fault yeah. is in the hands of the media. Yeah. And the media shows these idiots doing all this stupid shit and, and shows the hatred, especially from the G- uh, with the elections coming up. And you see all these people in the GOP just hating on immigrants and Mexicans and everybody they can. Hate, 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 hate. And you promote that? You put that on the media for people to see? What do you think is going to happen? People are going to rise up and they're going to say, fuck white people and and fuck anybody who's in a position of power. And what flag do I wave to, to say fuck a you bunch more? Of stupid sponges that are just looking for something to grab on. Exactly. It's, yeah. just, it's the same thing as this as this patriotic group that took over the, or, the, the Oregon land, uh, the Oregon um, national, it's a national wildlife refu- refuge up there. Same thing, except for it's the white side of it. It's these, it's these white men who have, have used public assistance for years because they're farmers, almost all of them, um, who've had nothing but help from the government, nothing but opportunity in this country since they are grown up, but because, but because they see a few immigrants, they think they're disenfranchised now and that they're the minority, so they're going to start a militia. And because they're white, they get away with it. If you, if you take that same group, make their skin brown, and put them all in kufis or, or in dashikis or in any other uniform whatever it is <laughs> maybe not dashikis I, I i'm just know. happy you told me about kufi i have no idea what it is it's a muslim just... hat it's a hat that muslims muslim kufi Damn, i want a kufi oh you want a kufi you want a cookie is what you want you hungry aren't you <laughs> i do want a cookie i love a cookie right now um Gold yeah it's it's just one of those Oreo. things man if you if you if you take that group and make them a different religion and a different color those they would have been dead it would have been Waco all over again already. Oh, yeah. You know, there would have been tanks in there and fires and dead people and all this shit. But because they're white and because it's in Oregon, the most passive, uh, you know, the most passive state in the union. I love Oregon. Don't get me wrong. And it's beautiful up there. But Very they rainy. really, you know, not only that, but I think a lot of that land belongs to the original people that were there, which is, I think, the Paiute tribe um, or one of the tribes that lives up there. They should take that land back. And tell the world to go fuck themselves. Because guess what? They have an actual fucking right to do it. No fucking white man has a right to that land. That's bullshit. So I just hate that. I absolutely hate that. So what are you going to do? You know? 
Just watch this shit. It's literally, it's like watching a fucking three ring circus, man. If you, if you pay attention to the media at all, just all the bullshit that happens. And, and not only that, but the misdirection from the stuff that's really going on, from the atrocities that are happening over in, in Syria or in anywhere in the Middle East or in North Africa, um, it's just crazy the stuff that's going on that people don't get to see because there's all this other bullshit happening locally. Uh, and ugh, what do you do? What, I what do you do? Can't stop thinking about cookies. I'm sorry, I brought it up. Koofies. Damn I'll it. get you a Muslim cookie. <laughs> 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 I like cookies. I love cookies. What's your favorite cookie, dude? Oh, dude, I didn't get this wonderful figure by just. Going for just one. I know, but I mean, if you had, if there was like the, the, the glorious cookie, if there was like a, like a, like a Pulp Fiction open the briefcase moment and there was a cookie inside, what cookie would it be? Double stuffed Oreo. Really? Hell yeah. And a double stuffed Oreo. Mine, macadamia white chocolate shit, dude. But I'm looking at the availability. You can find a damn Oreo anywhere. If you find a single stack Oreo, just twist them off and... Put make two, two together, <laughs> and then you got a double stuff. That's true. Or you can make a quad stuff. Oh man, we're getting into fat kids. What do you do with right that? Here. What do you do with the extra wafer though? If you take two singles and make it a double. double decker sandwich. Oh, it's like a Big Mac of Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so oh, fat. Man. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm so diabetic. Dude, speaking of being fat, speaking of being fucking fat, fucking Jared Fogle, man. Oh, this oh, motherfucker. Oh, oh, man. Such an awesome target for comedy, dude. Dude, he is such a fucking piece of shit. What's he crazy? He's going to get the foot long. He's going to get 11 inches because of that whole thing where Subway was only making 11 inch That's sandwiches. Right. And, dude, there's another fucked up thing. Some asshole sued Subway and won for not getting an 11, a 12 inch sandwich. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, you how should. fucked up. I'm what? sorry, but if you're going to advertise 12 inches. <laughs> Well, you're right. You're right, man. But the fact that somebody would be like, this, the fact that somebody would fucking order a sandwich and then measure measure it. it. Yeah. Come on, dude. Dude, he had to measure his sandwich stick and make sure it was 12 inches. The whole shit about, and I, you told me about this, Brandon, how that scumbag, I have zero sympathy for child molesters. Hell yeah. No. It's, I mean, he wasn't a child molester technically. As far as I'm concerned, he is. Okay, but he did get busted with child porn, mm-hmm. and he was working, and, and come to find out, the way he got skinny, and, and I don't know if this is 100% true, but I did hear it through the grapevine, and which it's makes total sense, and it's hilarious, funny. is that this fat fucker got skinny by walking from his job at a porn startup to a fucking subway to eat lunch every day. Because that was the only thing that was around. It was around, in the area it was that. So he would come out of his, wherever the fuck he was, dealing with porn like a scumbag. And, I mean, we all watch porn, whatever, and yes, there's people that have to run these sites because they, they make a ton of money and whatever else. So I understand being involved in that business, but if there's a way to be classy about it, you definitely don't uh, allow children to be on your fucking porn site. And that's what he ended up getting busted for. So A lot of it. Apparently a lot of it, yeah. And who knows the other facts of the case. I'm sure they're researchable online. I haven't. I disgusted by it, so I haven't really gone into depth about it. But fuck that guy. I just hope that when that dude goes to prison, he hears a bunch of inmates yelling, Five dollar, five dollar <laughs> foot long. <laughs> And it ain't going to be a sandwich, man. He's going to make him pay commissary don't, and hey man, take that job. Child molesters don't make it in prison. He ain't, he's not going to go to some, 
gnarly ass prison. I don't think. I hope he does. Even if he doesn't, he'll go. Even a minimum security still has gnarly dudes there. Oh yeah, you know, but he's gonna be. He'll be. He'll be, he'll be away in segregated from everybody. Yeah, because he's a celebrity. Which is bullshit. He's a fucking. It's total turd. bullshit. OJ. He's in freaking Lovelock, isn't he? Yeah. Lovelock's a gnarly prison, isn't it? Uh, yeah. It's max yeah. security. I've never been there, which I'm glad I can say that. Yeah. I've no seen shit. it from the side of the road. Oh, uh, man. Crazy, crazy stuff, dude. Well, let's move on. Topics. We've been talking about drugs and fat people and all this stuff a lot. Um, footlongs, Oreos. <laughs> Oreos. Boobies. Oh, dude, cookies. I love cookies. <laughs> That's um, Kind of wanted to talk about, uh, we share something in common, and that was growing up in the city of Reno playing music, uh, and the experience of that, and how it's changed our lives, helped our lives, other like that, uh, other things like that. Um, and uh, I played in numerous bands, um, starting from, I was in a band called Relic with some friends early, early in high school. Um, after that, I do believe it was the Baker's doesn't let down and then not till daylight and then unconquered and then, um, God, what other band? 1618 Deadpool. Um, and, and throughout all of those things, uh, I toured with, um, with unconquered, uh, quite a bit. Uh, we went to Europe and did some, um, some dates during nine uh, eleven. We were actually over in Europe during nine eleven. We were driving through funny story. We're Brandon dri- was not me guys, but Brandon was in, uh, uh, Europe with Unconquered. Yeah, this was 2001, and uh, great time, awesome response. And what's what's neat about hardcore in Europe is they actually give a shit. Even even today, now this was 2001, so we're talking 14 years ago, 15 years ago. Shit, it's been a long time. Um, but they just a they love the music more. They're more passionate about it. They they pay the bands. They take care of the bands. Um, it just seems like they're they're better people over there i don't know if that's true or not but it definitely seems like it because touring in the u.s uh was not that fun i did a tour in the u.s uh with with arm for battle where i played bass and we had a lot of fun we had a ton of fun on the tour um but it just you know the people the people at the shows and stuff were cool but there was less accommodations there was less helpfulness you know you spent a lot of nights in the van and stuff like that whereas we were always offered places to stay or put up in hotels in europe and stuff like that so it's definitely very different um but being able to, at a young age, you know, I started started playing bass when I was very young. I think I was 11, uh, stand-up bass, and then moved into electric bass. And then um, by 13, I was, you know, trying to be in bands and do this and that, and then started playing music, and then got afforded the opportunity to start playing shows and doing this stuff. And it was such a, such a especially at a young age, an, an enigmatic thing, like being able to step on a stage and, and show your artistry and, and then tour and then go to you know out of state to these shows with other people and meet other people develop relationships with other people some people who i'm best friends with live miles hundreds of miles away from me and it's because we played music together when we were younger and honestly i I really i wouldn't change a thing you know uh one of my one of my favorite things to do growing up was play sports i got into football in high school and was really good at it uh and uh went to play at college uh as a walk-on and ended up hurting my knee and so one of the kind of kind of bigger blessings that I kind of see in that is, A, I was probably going to get hurt anyways. B, I didn't have the size to finish playing where I was at. Um, so to, to have that kind of happen and then push me more into music was, I think, a better thing because it did uh, you know, afford me to, to do things like go to Europe and, and do this other stuff. So, um, man, I wouldn't change it for the world. Funny story, though, uh, real quick. 
um, when we were driving through Germany and 9-11 happened, we had played a show the night before, a great show. I think it was it was either in Bellinzona, um, which is this, like, castle, and we ended up playing underneath it. It was, like, super, like, black metal. Like, if you picture, like, this cool, like, boom, castle in the background, like, Alps. Like, it was just nuts. Was there a river? Because rivers are required for all black metal photos. That's true. A I, meme taught me There that probably was. Today, so. There probably was. Um, <laughs> so we're driving, and the majority of people in our van, we had this, like, this cool kind of conversion van, this big thing. It was called the Highway Tiger, I remember. And uh, and most of the guys were asleep. El Tigre. El Tigre. <laughs> Poor the highway. Um, <laughs> so, so we're driving, and our driver was, uh, if I remember, he was Dutch, I think. And um, he was listening to a radio station Such that was obviously... <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> He was driving his list to a radio station that obviously we couldn't comprehend, and he starts kind of freaking out. And I, I was up in the in the in the passenger seat, kind of keeping him company, co-piloting. And um, he starts to turn the radio station, and he finds the English speaking station. I think it's BBC Radio or whatever. And and he goes, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" As he's changing the channel, and I go, oh, "Shit! What? What's happening? Do what's happening?" And he's like, "Your country's being bombed." Like he said that to us, like our country's being fucking bombed. And so that immediately like wakes everybody up in the van. We instantly get like fucking fuck this shit we need to go home we need to kill everybody oh you know like all of us instant patriots you know as soon as you hear something like that which and, happened uh, to all of America of course yeah. of course and um so he puts the BBC news on and they start explaining what's happening and we're just sitting there with our fucking jaws on the floor like holy shit like this is happening we are not at home our parents are probably freaking out because we're in another country you know our f- friends family everything um so we're just like, fuck, we need to stop. We need, you know, next big gas station or whatever. And they have these awesome, dude, truck stops there are the nicest, like, like, you know, they're kind of gross here. Yeah. There. Step it up America. Seriously. Step it up Jesus. America in every like aspect. America's shit in the bed and a lot of stuff, but we'll talk about that on another podcast. We go into this beautiful truck stop and they have screens everywhere. And travel we, centers they're called. Travel right, centers. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, we go into this travel center. We walk in and there's a bunch of flat screens everywhere and they're all showing this image of this fucking plane smashing into the World Trade Center. And then later another pl- – and we're just sitting there, this big group of Americans, all these big-ass dudes because we're bigger than most people over there. And then all these other people stopped too at the travel center and we're watching around these TVs and we're trying to like console us because they knew – they could tell we were American, you know. And we're just like sitting there like some of us like – holy shit, some of us jaws on the floor, some of us kind of crying, like, oh, fuck, um, and, and really letting it sink in. And what was really profound about that moment was understanding that your existence is not given. Like, every day that you're alive, a fucking plane can run into the building that you're standing in. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how crazy life is. Like, the, the old adage, I could be hit by a bus tomorrow. Yes, you could be hit by a fucking bus tomorrow, or a plane could hit the building you're standing in, or lightning could strike, or any number of things. So from that day forward, I've really tried to, as much as possible, live life understanding that I could die any day, but that's also probably not been the best way to live as far as my health goes. Um but, uh, yeah, just a crazy experience, man. And I just remember the looks on all the guys' faces from, from Kelly, Jason, Mike, who has passed away, you know, rest in peace, and, and Glenn, and just watching even our driver's face and watching the sympathy that they had for us having to deal with that. Um, you know, and, and when something like that happens, at least at that moment, it doesn't matter who does it. It's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. whether the government was behind it or whether it really was Saudis or whether it really was Al-Qaeda – 
who gives a shit it's fucked up yeah. and immediately the people who who died because of that did not deserve that uh and whoever is responsible for it i hope that the worst of karmas befalls them or hopefully it has oh, befallen yeah. them because really the only people that i've seen pay for it were the first responders other than the people that obviously immediately died if you look at the people who first responded to that they're all dealing with crazy cancers and and emphysema and and just tons of different crazy stuff with their people lungs that were six blocks away yeah yeah because of all the debris and shit that that went through um that went through that area just gnarly and we could really go into depth about the kind of controversies about what happened and and the guy owning the place taking out a double indemnity clause on his insurance on all the buildings for the world trade center and stuff like that but there's always going to be a conspiracy theory exactly something big happens well there's conspiracy theories and there's facts and i really only ever want to talk about facts on this show um so but but that's a whole i'll do a whole another podcast yeah. for that at some point but just, again, being back there in that moment was crazy. And then not only that, but it allowed me to appreciate. I remember on that tour, it was really fun. We had a ton of fun. Um, saw a lot of amazing stuff. But we were so busy going and going and going. Because we had so I think we had 35 shows or something like that within a month and a half. And then we, had, we were there for two months, right around two months. And, um, and then we were there a little extra because we couldn't get a flight out because of nine 11. So, um, in Belgium, right? In Belgium, we ended yeah. up staying in Belgium, uh, with, uh, with the dudes from the band liar. Um, and the guys, uh, from good life records that were over there, they helped out too. So just, um, uh, just a crazy, crazy circumstance. Um, what, uh, what experience have you had with hardcore, man? Well, I, I I'm not going to go anymore on the, the nine eleven thing because it's it changed America. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I I do know that uh, I didn't like seeing uh, other human beings jumping out of a building holding hands falling to their deaths. Yeah. And I'm gonna end with that because I don't want to ruin it. But uh, um, I started in music, you know, in high school. Uh, I started playing uh, trombone in the band uh, when I was eight or nine. But uh, I played horns all the way. I ended up getting a, uh, a big grant to UNR to play music. I wasn't really a, I wasn't a good student. Yeah. I, was, I was lazy, just didn't want to do it. Went to college and did great. But uh, got to play music there and then uh, decided I wanted to work. Didn't want to go to school. And uh, I ended up meeting a guy at a local record store in Park Lane Mall. An old record store that a lot of us are going to, a lot of us remember called Mirabelli's. And... Uh, I went in there one day. I was wearing cowboy boots and Wranglers and a Carhartt jacket because I was a country kid. And uh, walked in there and I I looked at Jim and I said, I said, hey, you know, he goes, he goes, do you listen to heavy music? And I said, well, I, I really like The Offspring. Jim was the guy you met at Mirabelli's. Yes, Jim Williams, who I later ended up being uh, in a band with. Nice. And uh, he really helped introduce me to the music, into heavier music. And... Uh, you know, I I owe a lot of people a lot, and Jim's one of those guys I, I owe something to because if it wasn't for me getting introduced into the hardcore scene, I wouldn't be sitting here doing this podcast. I wouldn't be at RCK because of Cliff, because I met, well, I've known Cliff for 25 years. I worked for his dad at Straw Hat Pizza, and uh, awesome. some great stories that place was, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast, dude. Um, <clears throat> but no, uh, I ended up being, uh, I've only been in a few bands, really, Um I was in Twice and then uh, started a band after I was out of Twice that was called Aeneas, Aeneas, not Anus, like everybody called it. And uh, 
we ended up uh, going away from that, and uh, some of those guys ended up being an arm for battle. And uh, I've I've been uh, I am going to use the word I've been blessed to meet a lot of cool people and very talented musicians in town. And Reno's full of awesome bands and awesome musicians and awesome talent. Um, then I ended up being in a band called The Uplifted, and I from my childhood growing up, my parents never really uh, told us to go to church or whatever, but they always supported uh, whatever we wanted to do. And after I left twice, I kind of went into a a dead space in life like I was uh, just recently, not quite as bad as after I left twice. And I ended up finding religion at the time. And I ended up playing in a band called The Uplifted, which was from Carson City. And uh, their bass player had left. And Jim Booth, I was, uh, at that time, I chalked it up to God that I was on the internet. And that day I was like, I want to start playing music again. I want to start playing bass again. And I get an email from uh, Jim Booth, who was lead singer of Uplifted, who later on had a House Cursed and a bunch of other bands. House Cursed was a great band. I really they enjoyed them. And uh, just super, lots of good energy. <coughs> Excuse me. And... Uh, I ended up learning uh, about a seven-song set. Uh, they were just uh, recording their album in Oakland. Uh, I forget the name of it. And uh, I got credit for playing bass on it, but it was actually just my gear. It was Jim playing bass because I couldn't get out of work. And I ended up going on tour with them after being in the band for about three weeks. And uh, we went on a short tour. We were lucky enough to have a motorhome. And uh, I toured around the motorhome, played in... Little Rock and Houston and a few other places I've forgotten about. But the shows were awesome because every venue we played was either uh, a youth center with an awesome stage. I mean, comparable to any club in Reno. And uh, we'd be on radio that day. They'd been pumping our album for weeks. They'd have us on there interviewing us like we are now. And It's funny, though. My fondest memory of that tour, other than hanging out with the guys was we played a show, I want to say it was Wichita, Kansas. And we always asked for fried chicken or pizza. And we always got what was on our rider, which wasn't much. And uh, for these who don't know, as a rider, is bands will request things when they get there. Like some guys will say, I want Tiger Balm, or I want socks, or we need new underwear. And sure. they get it on these riders. Sure. Where in a... In a secular band, those riders don't really happen sometimes, as you know, because sure. you've toured across the states more than I have. But anyway, we go in one night, we do the radio thing on the Christian radio station that was run out of the venue, and we eat this fried chicken. And I'm going to make sure that Jim Booth hears this. This uh, Jimmy Hazard uh, hears this because I eat the fried chicken. We get on stage and we go to play, and we're just getting ready to start playing, and man. I gotta go right now. I number one or number two? Oh, dude, number two hundred oh, in the shit. worst way, dude. <laughs> it hurts so bad that I I pro I could have shit through a screen door and not gotten anything on the screen. <laughs> and uh, disgusting. So I run in the bathroom <laughs> and just go to work. And if I remember right, and I may be wrong, but I believe I remember him heckling me from the stage as I'm in there taking a shit. Of course, he and. Does. Those were super fun venues because a lot of those venues we played were rebuilt youth centers where tornadoes and stuff had come through. I remember this one venue we went to 
we played it and you went outside and it was just the concrete remnants of bleachers from the football field. Damn. And, uh, but you know, I probably got a lot of that story wrong, but, but great memories, man. I mean, the last I'm 38 years old now and man, my last 20 years are all hardcore memories Yeah. and going to punk rock shows. And I'm, I'm so happy that I got into the, got into the music scene, the hardcore music scene in Reno when it was so rad, you know, the Casa Margaritas days, the Del Mar Station days, the FSU days, yeah. just so much cool shit. And yeah, I mean, so many and, great and, bands. but the thing that's cool is we know how good we had it. Yeah. I, I was going to see shows every weekend for a while, dude. Hatebreed was in town. What? Twice a month. Yeah. Once a month. Uh, so often. Yeah. I they mean, loved it here. So many bands I've seen, like I tell people shows. I mean, when I was in twice, we were the flavor of the minute at that time. I got to play with anthrax. I've seen Glenn Danzig walk on my drummer cymbals. I mean, it's just, I've got so many rad memories. And you know what, man? That's something that people can never take from you is your memories. And I love the scene for that. All my great friends, everybody I love and hang out with is all from the hardcore scene. Absolutely, dude. My philosophy in life centers around living. And in living, you know, the word living, put quotes around it if you want to. I think the difference between just existing and living is having experiences with those you love and those you care about around you. Whether it be the dudes you're in a band with, whether it be your buddies from the gym, whether it be guys that you play music with forever and have shared memories with and have developed relationships with. I think that the people that don't take advantage of those relationships um, aren't living as, as good of a life as they can no. be. I, I think that you have to you have to utilize, A, the the time and the space and the people around you to create lasting memories and fun and and positivity and hilarity as many times as you can because a time isn't guaranteed and, and no. b we don't live for very long you know it's it's all relative some people sit back and say hey i'm gonna live to be 100 you don't know that nobody knows that meteor could hit uh meteor could hit this freaking place tomorrow and and we'd all be a freaking kaput so yeah it's uh hardcore's and growing up playing music is awesome and it's afforded us so many opportunities and so many great things that nobody really would have thought about back then you know that, that uh, i remember my old man every time i would go to play music at a venue or something he'd always ask me are you getting paid and it was never about that it was never about the money my mom and dad would always ask me that too yeah it shows you kind of the generational gap between the two i is never because... saw a dime but i don't care yeah it always went into t-shirts or cds or the, stickers exactly the money that that could have been made maybe in the past yeah sure bands made money the money that could have been made whatever the my memories and and doing those things was worth way more than you could have ever paid me for that so you know one of the things i really loved about about being in a band in Reno is flyering. Yeah. And one of my my favorite things that I learned from another musician here in town was running in the middle of the crowd and just throwing a handful of flyers in the air. That's <laughs> one of my favorite things. And people just kind of look up and what in the hell? Because we, we weren't doing internet here. shit back then. No, we were going to no Kinko's at three o'clock in the morning and printing taped together flyers that look like freaking ransom notes and just dude i some of the bands that i got to play with in basements and i mean getting to play with dillinger escape plan in a basement that you kicked the headstock off of my base at <laughs> jerk you I guys in your, you guys in your freaking straight edge kung fu fighting don't get mad at us for for pitting hard for the bands that we loved okay 
All right? Jeez. It's, it's, and it's a huge difference between then and now. Now I feel like it's just so contrived. It's just everybody does it to to be the next cool guy or the next super heavy band. Status symbol, dude. It is. Yeah, it's there's all no it is heart. anymore. That's, there's the, I, I'm giving myself props on that. There's no fucking heart anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. As far as I'm concerned. I'm an old man in comparison to some of these guys that are getting into it now. But it's it's just, you know, good for the guys that are keeping it strong and kicking ass. But I just, it's not what it used to be, man. For yeah. me, it's not. For the, me. the internet killed the hardcore star, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's it. If you look at it, we didn't have the internet in 1997. We were. We were paper flyering everything. 2005. There was, there was booths. At, yeah, true. And I mean, all the way up mm-hmm. until early 2000s, nobody used the internet for shit. The, the start of the internet was like in 2002 was when we were in AOL chat rooms trying to troll people, you know, and just fuck with people and call bitches fat. and The see internet they, tough guys. Yeah, yeah, the internet tough guys. So lame. So stupid. Which is still going on. Now. Oh, it's worse now than oh, it ever dude. has been. The well, and the, the worst. It's graduated to not, not just being an internet tough guy, but because of your image, because of the music you play, people think you're a tough guy. I hate this fucking shit called beatdown. Oh, I played a beatdown hardcore band. Half the dudes I see in beatdown hardcore bands are fucking pussies that in a one-on-one fight would get their fucking ass whipped, you know? And I hate that. It's like, if you're going to be in a tough guy band, be in a band with some tough guys then that have actually been through some real shit. And honestly, those guys would never be in a band like that because it's fucking cheesy. Like, and, and I know people, even my close friends are not going to like that I said that because there's dudes that I know that are in those bands, but it's cheesy. It's so fucking cheesy. A, the music that you make takes no talent to make. B, you're going and playing with a bunch of other bands that sound exactly fucking like you. C, you guys are punching each other in the face and shit, which is some shit that, like, yeah, I can expect from, like, a 15-year-old kid who's completely immature and needs to get some angst out, but when you're in your 20s and doing this shit, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, come on, guys. Or 30s or 40s. Yeah, totally. Or 30s or 40s. There's grown men that are doing this shit. There's grown men who have graduated from college that are fucking, that still try and follow that lifestyle, and it's like, that lifestyle isn't there anymore. Sure, you go out of town and you have fun, but, but beating up on little kids is never what hardcore was about. Hardcore was about camaraderie and having fun and building relationships with people in other cities, whether you were straight edge or vegan or, or into certain type of hardcore or metalcore or whatever else. It, it, that's what it was about. And if you did have beef, it was over something that was tangible. It was over a girl or it was over getting punched in the pit or it was over something that was, that was quick. But and it, it was got, handled one-on-one. It was handled one-on-one and it was handled quickly. Well, sometimes it was handled yeah. one-on-one. Sometimes um, it was very messy. There was... There was uh, times when it did get violent when groups were involved, but it, usually it was groups on groups. It wasn't groups on one. And, and it feels like the trend has become that, uh, you know, especially in the, in the middle two thousands on, uh, especially now, if you're at a show and there a fight breaks out, it's like fucking 30 people on one person. And it's all because he stepped on, uh, you know, his girlfriend's toes or something. And then all of a sudden everybody's got to beat him up or, or he, accidentally swung his arm at the wrong person, even though everybody in that mosh pit is swinging their arms. If you don't want to get punched in the face, folks, stand in the back. Yeah. Well, no. (laughs) And now, so now, another thing, and I didn't even know this was a thing. I always thought it was kind of a joke. Now the thing is... to, and that's why there's these giant voids that shows of people in the front. Now the thing is to jump into the crowd and start punching people. The people who are there to literally watch the music and appreciate the art form, you know, sure, if you want to mosh, get I saw that mosh. at Crowbar. We both saw that at Crowbar. Yeah, it's like, at what Crowbar. the fuck are you doing? Like, we're here to watch the show. If you want to mosh, go over there with the other people they, who want to mosh. They are the hecklers of hardcore. 
Yeah, I guess. Like a heckler in comedy? It's the child... I, I call them the fucking children of hardcore. They're the, the little kids who want to be fucking noticed at the show. They're either the drunk idiots who think they're tough guys because they've had a few beers, or they're the young idiots who think they're tough guys and want to fucking flex at a show where people are there to appreciate the art. They're not there to, to fucking be hard. You know, yeah. unless you're at a beatdown show or whatever the fuck they call it. I don't even know what it's called. I, I just really think it's cheesy. Anymore, so yeah. It's, it's, I just, I don't get it, man. I just don't get it. I enjoy Oreos and Spaceballs way too much. I'll totally. focus my attention. Absolutely. I don't, I mean, I love heavy music. Don't get me wrong. But play something with a melody and with, with something that actually, you know, actually takes some talent to make. I, um, <laughs> what? I'm, I'm just laughing because... If you guys heard the podcast before, Brandon has two awesome dogs, Madison, a female Brendel Pitbull, and Pharaoh, who's just handsome. And Madison just walked in between the two mic stands we have in our uh, our little studio here, and she was uh, very precise about not running into the mic stands. And I just, I got a giggle out of that, and I had to reach down and kind of grab her tail, because if, if, if she hit it with her tail, you know, you're going to hear, which is going to bounce through really bad. And I just thought it was so funny that she was... I was watching her back up, and it looked like she needed a little backup alarm. Backup beeper, yeah. yeah. It does. She does, man. She, she'll crawl into a little spot, and then she'll be like, all right, I don't want to be here anymore. And she'll perfectly straight back up out of an area. It's so funny to watch. She's such a cute little shit. Um, you know, yeah. yeah. Hardcore, dude. Hardcore has been a crazy thing. And then and then even being straight edge, uh, which has been a controversial topic uh, over the last 20 years, um, whether it was affiliation, uh, you know, people thinking that being affiliated with straight edge made you a gang. I know that happened here in town at one point because of just people misrepresenting it. Um, and you know, for me being straight edge, I, I, you know, been straight edge for God, it's been 20 plus years. I, I don't know. I was, uh, well, 1995. So 1995. Yeah. So almost, it'll be 21 years. Camel gloves and X's. The first night I met you, That's I think right. you were 13. Yeah. Camel gloves and X's. So and cargo shorts. Yeah. I didn't mess at around. Delmar station. Yep. And that, what show? I, I think I remember even what show that was. Was that the Madball show? I don't know. It might've been. I can't really remember. So many good shows, man. Yeah. We're so we had, fortunate. We, yeah. We were, we were, Dude. like you said, we were blessed to have, all these bands that are huge now or are like the cool bands to listen to were all bands we played with, toured with, had fun with numerous nights, whether we went to see them or played with them. Um, and, and we should all feel fortunate for that. And that kind of brings me to another point, which is weird to me. There's a lot of dudes that I played in bands with who, who don't look back on that time as being a blessing, as being something that's cool and appreciating it. You know, there were, there were times when I would have liked to uh, continue to play with Unconquered. And, you know, I couldn't get some of the guys to come back around because they were too busy with, you know, making excuses about their, their job or they wanted to go fishing instead or whatever else. And, and I'm not trying to poke at anyone and say, oh, well, it's your fault or you weren't there or whatever. But it's, it's weird to see somebody that, that A, I looked up to as a big brother growing up to, growing up with, uh, that was into something like that and that had spent so much time on this thing and, and it put time into, you know, helping the youth recognize what strange really was, uh, and to try and understand that it really was just a movement about the youth, not, not, not pushing themselves into drugs and alcohol so that when you do grow older, you're not a fuck up. And, you know, that for me, it was kind of the core of being straight edge. And, and, and now, you know, if you look at nowadays, there really is no movement anymore. There really isn't anything involved 
with hardcore or with kind of any of the stuff that surrounded that because of the internet and whatnot. Now it's just a genre. Now it's just, Oh, I play this music. And then you just fill in, you know, fill in the fucking blank on what persona you want to be. And then there you go. It has nothing to do with anything grassroots or anything really organic anymore. And that's why the heart is gone. As you said before. So that's how I feel. Anyway, Don't get me wrong. There's, I, I have some people that are close to me that still do, they play music, they love music, and they play it with heart. Yeah. But it's just, I don't get the same, you know, the days of seeing AFI when, in my mind, they were still punk rock. Yeah. Play at Del Mar once a month. I mean, shut your mouth and open your eyes, dude. That album, Comprehensive Guide to Modern Rebellion, Good Riddance, just stuff that this is the best freaking thing I've ever seen. Then I got introduced to H2O. That's when I really got into positive hardcore. Yeah. And... And Reno, I mean, Reno's, Reno's had so many great bands. We have great bands now. Yeah. And I'd love to run them all off because I'm, I'm fortunate enough to know most of these guys on a, on a personal level. Because, sure. I mean, even knowing that they're my friends and they were local, I looked up to those guys. Absolutely. And, and, and I still look up to those guys because they're still doing what they love. They're still yeah. just freaking knocking it out. I've of been the in bands with a lot of those dudes, and I still look up to them, even even if they're not where they should be in life, or they are, or whatever else. I don't even care what their circumstances now. From back then, from the people that we used to be, that's I still think that if you were a you know a founding father of of Reno hardcore, or Reno metal, um, which was a big deal on the West Coast and made a fucking great name for itself, um, you know, from 1995 all the way to. I would say up into the late 2000s. Um, and there was a lot of great music that came out of here. And a lot of bands that honestly, I think should have gone a lot farther than they did. Very much so. So, um, and, and who knows if it was just, you know, opportunities missed or or attitudes or who knows. You, growing you, up. You never, yeah, quote unquote growing having up. Having kids, wanting to buy a yeah. house. But man, I can't fault anybody for that. Yeah. Like a lot of these guys have given it up because they're like, you know what, man? I did really good at that portion of my life. I want to try something different. More power to them. Sure. But just, it, I, you know, it's a hard subject for me because yeah. I, I would love nothing more than to four dudes that I know would walk through the door right now and go, hey, man, you want to be our bass player? I'd say, hell yeah, if I had the time for it. Yeah. But nowadays, man, being in, getting, for me, for me, you know, I'm I'm no Jaco Pastorius for you you used to, don't know. He's a badass bass player. He used to be in Weather Report. But uh, <coughs> I'm more of a bass player monkey where I just play what the guitar player tells me to play. Totally. But I loved, it was such an awesome release for me of, of stress and everything else where now I have Muay Thai. Sure. And I mean, going in there and punching a bag and doing a Tabata and stuff and you can't lift your arms up and 18 ounce gloves feeling like 400 pound gloves. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great... It's I found another release, and that's growing up, you know. Sure. That is growing up, and it's it's uh, it's just hard to because for me, my experience, the last few times I've tried to start something up, it's like having five butthole girlfriends that you just can't <laughs> get together. You can't do what you want. One guy wants to do this. One guy wants to do that. One guy, you know, no doubt about it. Each their yeah. own. It's just it's too much of a pain in the ass for me, and I just I'm not gonna say I don't care because I still do. Because I still support a lot of my friends' bands in town. And I, I love going to see them when I get the chance to see them. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, man. I, I, I have no gripes about uh, my my short time in hardcore and what it did for me. Pretty cool, man. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I 
I really don't. I miss. I haven't been playing music now for. It's been quite a few years. Uh, I definitely miss it. Um, when I see people like our buddy John, uh, who's playing, uh, just released a new album with uh, Pit Boss or Pit Boss Two Thousand, um, and how much fun he's having doing it. That's when I miss it. You know, when I yeah. see even the adults having fun with it still and still letting that be like an outlet for them, I get a little little. What's envious, the name of that album? You know? The Church of Fuck Yeah. The Cult of Fuck. The yeah. Cult of Fuck Yeah. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> so it's fun good. to listen to. The lyrics are hilarious. <laughs> And John's been in a bunch of huge bands. Yeah, he's been in a bunch of a bunch of great huge bands. bands in my eyes. Yeah. Oh, sure. And, Pioneering uh, bands of hardcore, absolutely. Yeah, so he just uh, oh, that's love, cool. Though I love that dude. It is definitely cool <laughs> to be able to count yourself part of of what was West Coast hardcore back then. You know, and, and we really did kind of put it on the map and help put it on the map. Um, which is awesome, especially in, in our town. In our town, for sure. Yeah, Reno, the Reno scene. Yeah, put yeah. it on the map. Yeah, but even for like straight edge hardcore, like like if it wasn't for Unconquered, nobody would have known about you know Reno straight edge or or Reno hardcore. And then especially when it spread into Northern California and and whatnot, and and uh, it was just very very cool, very cool to the little intrinsic things that actually mattered and the friendships that came out of it. The stuff that was positive that came out of that is what I love. Is what I I, I still appreciate to this day. So. You know what I really love is being able to go and buy right now or on iTunes go get a Will Haven album I was listening to those guys 20 years ago yeah. and they're still playing That's El cool. Diablo, dude some of my buddies used to call him Wagon Wheel but <laughs> I just, it's that by the way, if you're into heavy music that new Will Haven album is unbelievable um, probably the heaviest thing I've ever heard but uh it's just I love seeing that there are guys out there that are keeping the torch alive. Yeah. Like Apri, like Crowbar, like Willhaven, the Deftones. Yeah. I mean, those guys were part of bringing heavy music yeah. to the mainstream. Absolutely. And I mean, it's it's uh, there's just so much to it, man. And uh, I listen to a lot of different stuff. For the last ten years, I've gotten more into hip hop because I, you know, music affects me, man. If I'm listening to at the gates all day or Slayer or anything, I'm not Mr. Happy. I mean, I'm happy, but I'm a little more aggravated. Sure. You know, where you get me to listen to some EPMD or some Biggie or or anything else, I'm way more chill. Yeah. And uh, When you kind of get that head nod of funk within oh, yeah. you and you kind of start feeling it, that's why I love hip-hop. Hip-hop, again, is another just intrinsic art form that came from came from black America. And, and black America being one of the up-and-coming... And, and foremost, you know, advancers of everything that's pop culture. Everything that's been cool in the past 20 or 30 years has come from, from, from a lot of it has come from black culture. And I love it. And I love it. The, I love the, the fact that, um, that that has assimilated and become American culture. And that's a beautiful thing. I hate the fact that there's a lot of white people that don't recognize that. Because if it wasn't for them, if it wasn't for hip hop, a lot of the things that are cool now, the trends and the stuff that's fun and, and cool to listen to and fun to do and way to dance and this and that, all that shit came from hip-hop. And um, and it's absolutely beautiful, man. And I say beautiful a lot, but I mean it. It's You know, awesome. something that taught me a lot about, uh, like I said, I've just recently, I mean, I've always listened to rap. I was I was the, the freaking 14-year-old chubby kid from the North Valleys listening to NWA. Yeah, totally. It. But 
the thing that really opened my eyes up, and I forget the name of the documentary, but was uh, Michael Rappaport's documentary about a tribe called Quest. Mm-hmm. And that, and 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 you know, I have a lot of friends that are really heavy into hip hop, like you and Maddie B and 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 Jess, and and I've learned a lot from all you guys. You know, because I listen to what you listen to, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like that too much or this or that. But it's just, man, music's just awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Any, you know, honestly, any creative outlet. Um, there are some. There, there probably is a few outliers there that I'm like, oh, I can't understand that or whatever. And Jackson maybe it's Pollock. <laughs> Jackson Pollock. Um, <laughs> yeah, but from from yeah, from painting to music to to expressionism, any any sort of dance um, art is art is what makes life amazing. EDM is taking me. over. Dude. EDM is taking over, and I can appreciate some EDM too. I rock that every once in a Daft while. Punk. Daft Punk is dope. so good. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Another how great documentary. Huge. That Daft Punk documentary. Yeah. They've been around that? forever. Have Daft you Punk seen has that? Been around, I haven't. I haven't. Oh, but I saw dude. it. It was online. So good. Dude, they've been around forever. I remember listening to um, uh, Around the World, which was out. I want to say it's got to be easily twenty years ago. Yeah, it's got to be yeah, ninety-five. I think uh, where that first um, Daft and Direct or whatever that first album came out. And they've been, they've literally, I guess, been making music over in Germany. I think they're from Germany. Um, French. You know, this whole time. They're, fr- they're French? Yes. Okay. So, been making music in France um, for, you know, X amount of time. And then they start collabing in the last few years. And that's when they started artists. getting noticed. And that's, yep. I believe it was 2012 when they won, like, five Grammys. When they yeah. did that song with uh, Pharrell Williams. Mm-hmm. And uh, just good stuff, man. Absolutely. Just, uh... Yeah. I like their helmets. So oh, dude, their helmets are badass. Who thinks of that? Let's have they just—they're not cool even ass helmets. They just, you need to watch that documentary. Dude. I'm going it's to. Dope. I'm going it's, to. It's—it is—it is really good. It opened my eyes to them, and I wasn't really into the music, but when I learned about the band, I was like, man. Then I really started listening to them and understanding. They're just—they're great. Yeah, they are cool. fun. Again, just that art form, any art form, especially yeah. music. Though music for for us is is uh, is that expression that allows for for either release or love, or allows that emotionality, and that's what makes it so fucking great. Absolutely. Um. Wow. We've we've talked a lot, man. Um. I don't Can know. I do my PSA? Yes. Go ahead and do your All PSA. Right. Now, on the last podcast, if any of you guys don't heard speak it. right into the mic. It's, it's clipping, it? yeah, yeah. It's clipping. Mm-hmm. I'm good at clipping. I like clipping. Sorry. Go so ahead. I was kind of yelling into it. Cliff and Brandon don't like cats. <laughs> I'm okay with cats. I just need to make this public knowledge. I am not an anti-cat guy. So don't not listen to the Hella Podcast just because Cliff and Brandon don't like cats. The Hella Podcast is not anti-cat. I'm just saying that A, I'm I'm a little allergic to them, and B, most of the time they're not that cool. Every once in a while you come across the rare cat that is cool, and usually that cat acts like a dog. So just get a dog then. <laughs> but no, I mean I've come into I've I've come across a few cool cats that I enjoy. I'm like, "Oh, you're a cool cat or whatever, blah blah blah." 
But then I'm just like, if I had that cat as a pet, it would probably at some point very much annoy me and piss on my curtains and shit and piss in a box, and it would be awful. So, I don't know. Take care of the shit and piss box, and then you don't have to worry about it. That's true. I I understand. No, I get it. I get it. I love cats. Cats are cool. Cats are cool. It's fine. I love cuddling. I'll take away my hatred of cats. I love cuddling. Mm Mm-hmm. You are a cuddly dude. I'm going to get the ugliest damn cat at the SPCA, male or female, and name it Fred. Fred the cat. Fred the cat. Don't name it Zed. I could use a companion because, you know, I got a snake, Walter. What's up, Walter? Walter is cool. He's listening right now. I like snakes. Walter's pretty cool. Got a couple of those. Hi, Pharaoh. Hi, Pharaoh. Speaking of pets, family members. Hi, buddy. You giving me hugs right now? Well, it seems like it's about that time. We're winding down to the end of this, uh, the second episode of the Hella Podcast. Um, you know what? I'd like to thank my, my, my fellow man over here, Matt Tiny Low, for coming in. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns for Mr. Matt, uh, I'll have his email up shortly, and that'll be uh, Matt. Or do you want to do Tiny? Do you want to do Matt Let's or do Tiny? Matt. That's fine. Matt man. at thehellapodcast.com. That's Matt, M A two T's, M A T T. At thehellapodcast.com. You'd be amazed how many people fucked that up. I uh, know. It's, it's literally Matt. It's M-A-T-T. How do you mess that up? Anyway. Um, also, if you have any uh, comments, concerns, anything like that for the podcast in general, or just want to say something to me, tell me I'm ugly, tell me I'm beautiful, I don't care, whatever it is, uh, go ahead and email me at brandon at thehellapodcast.com. Um, we're looking for people to come on the show. Anybody that wants to come on the show, whether it's to plug your business or just talk about controversial topics or talk about funny shit, we don't care, whatever you want to do, uh, talk about music, anything. Uh, we hold, we, uh, no, no holds barred on this podcast. So um, please email us, uh, hit us up on the Facebook. Facebook's up, just look up the Hella Podcast on Facebook. Um, and yeah, find us on iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, and enjoy. Um, so we are on iTunes now. We are on iTunes now. Yes. yes. Uh, it is the Hella Podcast. Three words. Our homie Elzo so, is going to be on the next Yeah, Elzo is supposed to be on next week. Hopefully he comes through. Um, so uh, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and then, you know, try and do this every week. So yep. thank you everybody who is listening out there. Um, Matt, I know you had a few businesses you might have wanted to talk about real quick, so feel free to... Yeah, man, I'm going to try and make this as quick as possible, but uh, we're here at the Hella Podcast. We are all about that PMA and positivity. And uh, I just want to pump out some businesses that kind of helped me change myself and change my mindset and change my life. And uh, recently, uh, as we were talking about earlier, is uh, Wayne in Reno Tahoe Comedy. runs a great club at the Pioneer Underground. Uh, Super cool cat. Uh, supports a lot of local talent, which is uh, very, very, very cool because across the country there isn't a lot of that. You know, I'm I'm very fortunate to be able to cut my teeth in an actual club where people are coming to laugh and not to heckle. Um, I want to thank my, my gym family at Reno City Kickboxing. Uh, I believe it's 10 Patriot Lane. Uh, great coaches, great members, great equipment, uh, good schedule, good prices, and... Uh, it's just badass. That uh, Muay Thai and uh, Reno City kickboxing and my family there have uh, helped me change my life. And I just want to uh, pump them out, uh, pimp them out a little bit. And uh, pump, not pimp out. I apologize, guys. But uh, just uh, <laughs> that's that's about it. And uh, just, man, I'm happy. That's all that matters. I like you happy. Trying to keep it positive. Yeah. 
I'm no fun when I'm sad. Yeah. Sad tiny no bueno. Happy tiny very bueno. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Hey, you? thanks everybody for listening. That's uh, episode number two. Love you all. Peace. Yep. What's up, black sheep? No, not who I am or when I'm coming, so you sleep. Wasn't in my room or wasn't in your sphere. Knew not who I was, but listen here. Dress, D-R-E-S, yes, I guess I can start. If it's all right with you, I'll rip this head on apart. Back, middle, to the front, don't front. Want a good time, want to give you what you want. Can I hear a hey? Now get a yo. You got a hat? Just for the house. The styling is creative. Black sheep of the native. Can be This is where it's